Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the privilege of life and we also thank you for giving us an opportunity to fellowship with you. We know that we are living in a time of solemnity and our Lord Jesus is doing a work for us in the heavenly sanctuary. Lord, at this time we realize the need for us to be purified both of our flesh and of our spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. We pray that this devotion will be a means for that to take place in our lives. We commit ourselves to you that you grant us of your spirit that we may understand and rightly divide the word of truth. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, and grant me of your spirit also that I may speak words of hope, courage, and help and edification to your children. I pray, Lord, that you do this and take all the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 13 As the wind blows, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 5 Nicodemus was astonished as well as indignant at these words. He regarded himself as not only an intellectual but a pious and religious man. He could not harmonize this doctrine of conversion with his understanding of what constituted religion. He could not explain to his own satisfaction the science of conversion, but Jesus showed him by a figure that it could not be explained by any of his precise methods. Jesus pointed out to him the fact that he could not see the wind, yet he could discern its action. He might never be able to explain the process of conversion, but he would be able to discern its effect. He heard the sound of the wind which blew at where it listed, and he could see the result of its action. The operating agency was not revealed to view. No human reasoning of the most learned man can define the operations of the Holy Spirit upon human minds and characters. Yet they can see the effects upon the life and actions. He was not willing to admit truth but he could not understand all that was connected with the operation of the power of God. And yet, he accepted the facts of nature. Although he could not explain or even comprehend them, like other men of all ages, he was looking to forms and precise ceremonies as more essential to religion than the deep movings of the Spirit of God. We may have flattered ourselves as did Nicodemus, that our life has been upright, that our moral character is correct, and think that we need not humble the heart before God like the common sinner. But when the light from Christ shines into our souls, we shall see how impure we are. We shall discern the selfishness of motive, the enmity against God that has defiled every act of life. Then we shall know that our own righteousness is indeed as filthy rags, and that the blood of Christ alone can cleanse us from the defilement of sin, 
and renew our hearts in his own likeness. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is As the Wind Blows. We will continue to look at the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And like I've said earlier, every encounter between Jesus and someone is an encounter between the truth and a character. We have different individualities and all of us have different situations and circumstances that we are in. And Jesus represents the truth. And when the truth meets different people in their different stations of life, there is a lesson for us to learn as we look at it with respect to how Jesus meets various people. In this case, we have already seen the truth meeting a person who thinks that his religious affiliation or the denomination of his church is what will give him salvation. Like Nicodemus was one who taught this kind of thing. He taught that his membership in the church was sufficient qualification for him to have eternal life. And he was downplaying who Jesus was, which is the truth. He was downplaying it and he came to meet Jesus. Rabbi, Master, we know that you are a teacher of good things. Instead of referring to him as the Son of God, which Jesus was actually supposed to be. But in Jesus' conversation with him, he told him in very clear terms, Look, Nicodemus, except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That statement to Nicodemus wasn't what he wanted to hear. But that was the question he came with to Jesus. He wanted to know, but he was finding a way to go about it. But Jesus went straight to the point and hit the nail on the head. Now, this statement made by Jesus to Nicodemus wasn't so pleasant to him. I'll just take the account again. In the book of John 3, I'll read from verse 3 to verse 8. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This was a question of contempt, like, what, what are you trying to say? What, what do you mean being born again? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it comes, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. So, in these words of Jesus, He was trying to bring Nicodemus to an understanding of what it means to be born again. The flesh that Jesus is referring to here is nobody is born into salvation. And I would like us to get this because many churches there are today and people think that, oh, I was born a Christian. Nobody is born a Christian. You must be born of the Spirit before you become a Christian. Every little child that is born needs to be born again, regardless of how righteous and pious and holy your parents are that little child needs to go through an experience of conversion that's what jesus is referring to here nobody is born converted 
We all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And guess what? Even Jesus our Lord had to pass through this process. When he came to meet John the Baptist, that was his own being born of the water. He was Jesus was referring there to baptism. So the two criteria for salvation. We must be born of water, which is baptism, and then we must be born of the Spirit. No outward form or action that is not in keeping with these two things will save us. That is what we read in the, in the devotion concerning Nicodemus. He didn't like this kind of teaching that was going to make him to humble himself in baptism and in a change of life. He thought that it was the outward forms of ceremonies, going to church and just participating like a deacon, paying money into the church and sponsoring building projects and sponsoring this evangelism without a change of heart and being known as the one who does a lot of good work for the church and you know like I, I, I served as a deacon, I served as an elder. All those things are activities and they are good in their place. But that's not what's going to save anyone. Like we read, Conflict and Courage, page 292, paragraph 2, Nicodemus was astonished as well as indignant of these words. He regarded himself as not only an intellectual, but a pious and religious man. Now, the question is not... Nicodemus understood that you must be religious and pious to make it to the kingdom of God. But his definition of what it means to be pious is what was wrong. It says he could not harmonize this doctrine of conversion with the understanding of what constituted religion. He could not explain to his own satisfaction the signs of conversion. But Jesus showed him by a figure that it could not be explained by any of his precise methods. Jesus pointed out to him the fact that he could not see the wind yet he could discern its action. He might never be able to explain the process of conversion but he would be able to discern its effect. He heard the sound of the wind which blew at where it listed and he could see the result of its action. The operating agency was not revealed to view. That is, what is working out that change is not seen. That is the spirit now. No human reasoning of the most learned man can define the operations of the Holy Spirit upon human minds and characters. Yet they can see the effect upon the life and actions. This is exactly what it means to be converted. So I'll stop here in the reading. And what God wants us to understand is that those outward forms cannot save us. The character has to be made correct. Going on in paragraph 4, we are told, we may have flattered ourselves as did Nicodemus that our life has been upright, that our moral character is correct and think that we need not humble the heart before God like the common sinner. But when the light from Christ shines into our souls, what we will see? We shall see how impure we are. We shall discern the selfishness of motive, the enmity against God that has defiled every act of life. Then we shall know that our own righteousness is indeed as filthy rags and that the blood of Christ alone can cleanse us from the defilement of sin and renew our hearts in his own likeness. End of quote. Amen. So, we need to pass through this experience. You know what this experience is? It's the same experience that Isaiah passed through when he was crying, whoa, whoa, whoa. He was in the situation of Nicodemus, thinking that he had the qualifications, but he got 
a revelation of the glory of God and his character. And what did Isaiah say? He said, woe is me. This is Nicodemus' woe is me experience here. He thought that he was religious. He thought that he was good. But then when he encountered the truth as it is in Jesus, he realized he was struggling actually at this time. But he did realize that the truth was telling him, look, man, you are not where you ought to be. Your outward character is defiled by impure motives. The spirit needs to be purified. The motive behind our actions needs to be cleansed. And then the outward character will show in this uh, that, that there is a change. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about two things. Jesus told him, if you want to be saved, you must be born of water and of the spirit. Let us talk about being born of the spirit first. John 14 verse 15, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit here saying from verse 15 of John 14 and downward it says, If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am, I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Verse 21 now, Jesus says, He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Amen. What did Jesus mean when he says he will manifest himself? He was referring to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will send you, I will come to you. That's what he said. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. How? through the Holy Spirit. That is his manifestation of himself to us. That is how the Father and the Son manifest themselves to us. And who is it that he said he will manifest himself to? John 14:21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he said, I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The Holy Spirit does a work in the heart of every human being on this earth. That is a given like God has something he does for everyone through the spirit and that work is the work of convicting us of our sins he doesn't say oh only those who come who keep my commandments i will convict of their sins no through the spirit no no no. everyone has that privilege but there is another work that the holy spirit wants to do in us that is exclusive to only those that keep the commandments of god that god will manifest himself to us if we keep his commandments and he manifests himself to us through the spirit if we allow this work the work of the holy spirit to be done the first work which is conviction of sin then we can humble ourselves before the lord and say oh my righteousness is as filthy rags and then we when we open the door of our hearts that is the way the Holy Spirit will come into us. But if we reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit as he is striving to convict us of our sins and we don't allow him, we refuse to agree that sin is sin, the Holy Spirit cannot go any further than trying to convict us of our sins. In John chapter 6, verse 63, God, Jesus now tells us what he means by the Holy Spirit coming to us. He said, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. 
the flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. That means it is through the word of God that the spirit of God has an effect on the soul of man. When Jesus was telling Nicodemus, except you are born of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He was saying to him, except you allow the word. Can you see the word? No. But when it is spoken, it is spirit and it is life. Only when it is working in us, nobody sees it. That's the conversion process. Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus, you see the wind, how it goes? You don't see it with your eyes, but you can tell when it is working. You see the moving of the leaves of the tree. You see the curtain in your house is moving, but you cannot see what is moving it. If I wanted to move a curtain or anything, you will see my hand. I'll pick it up and I'll shake it. But when the wind is doing its own, you cannot see it. Jesus was trying to say that is how the work of the Holy Spirit is. You cannot tell when it's beginning. You cannot tell when it's how it is moving. But how you will know that the Holy Spirit is working? It is that you will see the effect in a change of life. There will be a purification, not just of the flesh, but of the spirit. What does that mean? The motives will be purified. Nicodemus, just like us today, are encountering the truth. And one thing we need to allow the truth to do is to not just talk about our actions but also our motives. Are your motives pure? Why do you do the things you do? Is it out of selfishness or is it selfless? We must come to a place where we are selfless. Selflessness is the whole aim and mission and goal and purpose of every created being of God who must be holy. Holiness must reveal itself in an unselfish spirit. The motto of heaven is selfless love. When Jesus came to die on the cross of Calvary, he was revealing to us a selfless love, a self-denying spirit. Are you doing even your righteous acts out of selfishness? I will go as far as saying, what is your reason for keeping the commandments of God? Is it that selfishness that says, oh, I just want to go to heaven, but you don't really care about righteousness or you don't really care about your brethren around you? You don't care that I'm actually doing this because I want to help people. Even if there was no heaven to go, even if there was no eternal life, even if there was no reward for doing good, I will still do good. Why? Because it is good. It is beneficial to my brethren, not just for my sake. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Was it because it was beneficial for him? No. Why do angels minister on our behalf? Is it because they have something in it for them? No. They are doing it selflessly. They are living for you. They are working for you. There is nothing in it for them. Not a dime. Not a glory. It's just for your sake. We must rise higher to a condition where we are purified of our spirits. Where we are working unselfishly where we are walking selflessly, doing things for the benefit of humanity and for the love of God. And this is the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. As we come to Jesus, the truth, we must be able to see by His grace, and I pray that we are seeing it even now, that our righteousness are as filthy rags if it is being done selfishly. There must be that change of heart. We must rise higher to the state that our Lord Jesus is in. And that is the state of selflessness. I want to read something from Desire of Ages explaining this 
righteousness that is selfless reading from desire of ages page 20 paragraph 1 it says i'm reading down also to paragraph 3 in the beginning god was revealed in all the works of creation it was christ that spread the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth it was his hand that hung the worlds in space and fashioned the flowers of the field his strength set fast the mountains the sea is his and he made it psalm 65 6 and chapter 95 5 it was he that filled the earth with beauty and the air with song and upon all things in earth air and sky he wrote the message of the father's love now sin has marred god's perfect work Yet that handwriting remains. Even now, all created things declare the glory of his excellence. There is nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself. No bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves upon the ground but ministers to some other life. There is no leaf of the forest or lowly blade of grass but has its ministry. Every tree and shrub and leaf pours forth that element of life without which neither man nor animal could live and man and animal in turn minister to the life of tree and shrub and leaf the flowers breathe fragrance and unfold their beauty in blessing to the world the sun sheds its light to gladden a thousand worlds the ocean itself the source of all our springs and fountains receives the streams from every land but it takes to give the mists ascending from its bosom fall in showers to water the earth that it may bring forth and bud the angels of glory find their joy in giving giving love and tireless watch care to souls that are fallen and unholy heavenly beings woo the hearts of men they bring to this dark world the light from the courts above by gentle and patient ministry they move upon the heart to bring the lost into a fellowship with christ which is even closer than they themselves can know wow think about that for a while that the angels are doing something to bring us to a greater nearness to God than themselves. Is that not selflessness? That is selflessness. Continuing the reading, it says, But turning from all lesser representations, we behold God in Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, we see that is the glory of our God to give. I do nothing of myself, said Christ. The living Father had sent me, and I live by the Father. I seek not mine own glory, but the glory of him that sent me. John 8 verse 28, chapter 6 verse 57, and chapter 8 verse 50, and chapter 7 verse 18. In these words is set forth the great principle which is the law of life for the universe. All things Christ received from God, but he took to give. So in the heavenly courts, in his ministry for all created beings, through the beloved Son, the Father's life flows out to all. Through the Son, it returns in praise and joyous service, a tide of love to the great source of all. And thus, through Christ, the circuit of beneficence is complete, representing the character of the great giver the law of life end of quote amen 
What we learn from this is to address what it means when the Holy Spirit is in our lives. It will transform us to a point where our actions become selfless instead of them become uh, being motivated by selfishness. So, we are looking at the two things being baptized or being born of the water and of the spirit that is what we must experience in order for us to have conversion to enter into the kingdom of god again like i was saying concerning the work of the holy spirit in our life it says in john 16 verse 7 to 12 jesus was speaking to his disciples and said nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you and when he is come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not in me of righteousness because i go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged so jesus was speaking to his disciples to make us understand the work of the holy spirit like i have already said conviction of sin is the first work that the holy spirit does for everybody it is not exclusive it is a work that he is trying to do for everybody and then he wants to bring us into righteousness so i'm reading now from ye shall receive power page 101 paragraph 3 and 4 to explain um what the holy spirit does in our lives it says jesus meant just what he said when he directed his disciples to search the scriptures searching means to compare scripture with scripture and spiritual things with spiritual we shall we should not be satisfied with a superficial knowledge we should search for hidden treasure concealed beneath the surface as the merchant man seeks for goodly pearls light great light will reward the diligent searcher for truth there are many who have not taxed their mental powers and who have no experience in putting to stretch putting to the stretch their utmost ability to find out what is truth it is not possible that the holy spirit shall fall upon you unless you feel your need and are more desirous for its descent than you are now you should realize that you are living upon the very borders of the eternal world that christ is coming very soon and that all heaven is interested in the work that is in progress in fitting up our people for his coming end of quote so what does this mean for us we cannot have the holy spirit except we seek for him earnestly that's what it means reading to understand the work of the holy spirit john 16 verse 13 jesus had said how be it when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come now this passage is very similar to what jesus said in john 6 verse 63 which we have read earlier where he said that the words that he is speaking that is spirit and life now he's telling us also that when the holy spirit comes john 16 verse 13 he's not going to say something contrary to the word that he will guide us into all truth and jesus was careful to tell us that he is going to tell us what jesus himself had said he will bring to you he said here he will guide you into all truth he will not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear where is he hearing from of course from the word of god from jesus himself that is what he will speak and he also will explain to us prophecies things to come reading from you shall receive power page 103 paragraph 4 and paragraph 5 it says without the guidance of the holy spirit we shall be continually liable to rest the scriptures or to misinterpret them there is much reading of the bible that is without profit 
and in many cases is a positive injury. When the word of God is opened without reverence and without prayer, when the thoughts and affections are not fixed upon God or in harmony with his will, the mind is clouded with doubt and in the very study of the Bible, skepticism strengthens. The enemy takes control of the thoughts and he suggests interpretations that are not correct. Whenever men are not seeking in word and deed to be in harmony with God, then however learned they may be, they are liable to err in their understanding of scripture and it is not safe to trust their explanations. When we are truly seeking to do God's will, the Holy Spirit takes the precepts of his word and makes them the principles of the life, writing them on the tables of the soul. And it is only those who are following the light already given that can hope to receive the further illumination of the Spirit. End of quote. Amen. Do you get that last part, the condition? It is only those who have received the light already given that can hope to receive further illumination. The Holy Spirit is given to us in drafts. If you cannot receive the word, you cannot receive more of the Spirit of God. When we reject the word, the light already given, if you cannot be convicted of your sin, then you are limiting the Holy Spirit from coming into your life. Now, the other thing we read here is in our study of the Bible, we cannot understand it. Remember the words Jesus said, they are spirit and the life? You cannot understand those words without the Holy Spirit. You are liable to misinterpret. And how do we know when you have a wrong heart? You, when you come to the word of God with a mind to justify your previous beliefs, when you have skepticism in your mind, when we come to the word of God without reverence and without prayer and our thoughts and affections are not fixed upon God and there's no desire in us to really know what the word of God wants to say, we are not going to get an understanding. We will rest it out of its true meaning. We will misinterpret it. But if the heart is subdued and sincere and honest, wanting to know what does the Lord want me to do, the Lord will grant you of his spirit. And when you understand the word, if you don't do that which you have learned, the light which you have received, if it is not practiced, the Holy Spirit cannot give you for the light. Again, in John 16 verse 14 and 15, Jesus said, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he, that's the Holy Spirit, shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So what is expected of us if we have the Holy Spirit? You know, Jesus talked about the wind and seeing the effect. So what are the things we will see in the life of one who has the Holy Spirit? Today, there is a very strong misconception on this. People say, oh, you're going to start speaking in tongues. And that tongues they are referring to is some unmeaning gibberish saying things that cannot be understood but this is not what the bible teaches the bible teaches us otherwise let me read it now galatians 5 i'll be reading from verse 16 to 25 here is going to show us what the evidence of one who has the spirit and one who doesn't have the spirit is it says this i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh I'll pause here. Do you remember that Jesus compared the lust and, the, and the, the flesh and the spirit before when he said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another and the evidence of the spirit is so clear and the evidence of the flesh is clear. Reading verse 17 now, it says, For the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if 
see the condition if you are led if ye be led by the spirit of the spirit you are not under the law now he says now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred variance emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envies murders drunkenness revelings that's partying and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, that is the evidence, remember Jesus says, by their fruits ye shall know them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, plus patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance that self-control against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit amen so what is it here that is the wind that Jesus is talking about that you will see it you will see the evidence that the spirit is working is it when we go to church and we are making a lot of noise and jumping and dancing that that's all oh, the people say oh the spirit is working is that it is it when we are shaking our bodies in church they will say now that's it or when we are sweating and making a lot of noise and shouting in prayer no that's not what the bible teaches the bible teaches that it is the change of character it goes deep down to the roots like i said our motives are touched our actions are touched it brings itself we see the evidence of the spirit in a life of love what is love we have seen this over and over again romans chapter 13 reading from verse 8 oh no man nothing but to love for this thou shalt not kill, steal, bear false witness, and all of that. He says, it is the fulfilling of the law. For love is the fulfilling of the law. First John chapter 5, verse 3. This is the love of God that you keep his commandments. If the spirit is in the life, you will love. That is, you will keep the commandments of God. And then the other and, and what is that? It is opposed to the flesh that we just read, which is contrary to that. The spirit of God, yes, is given to us in drafts. It doesn't mean that if somebody is just committing one sin then the person doesn't have or the spirit is not working on that person's life no they, like we saw as light comes gradually we accept it the holy spirit cannot be given to us in greater draft unless the light that has been given to us is accepted you may have been convicted by the spirit of the lord that you are not supposed to fornicate and you agree with that and you change but the spirit has not stopped his work he wants to help you go further and he says to you look he that looketh at the woman to lust after her in his heart has committed a, a, a sin already then you realize oh it's not just about having real sexual intercourse i have to also control what i'm seeing with my eyes i'm not supposed to be looking at things and lusting after them women or men and lusting then you go further and say okay i'll stop that but then he comes to you and tell you again look thou shalt not kill and you say i'm not killing but he explains to you oh no you see killing is not just about taking people's life by shedding blood but it also goes further to take people's eternal life when you do anything that would lead people into sin i would set forth in them violence you are still involved in killing 
when you desire it and you love to see violence and you watch WWE wrestling and you are watching movies with lots of violence and the spirit is convicting you and telling you look it doesn't it's not about you performing the action just as it is in adultery just the fact that you like it in your mind you are already involved in the scene if you refuse and say no I don't see anything wrong in watching WWE. I don't see anything wrong in glorified violence and desiring it and saying, yes, actor has killed the bulls. I'm happy. Oh, yes. No, the, it's, it's very good. I love this movie. If you have not been convicted of that, then the Holy Spirit will not be given to you in greater proportion. You must accept the light given to you before the Holy Spirit can work further in you. We must live in the Spirit and not reveal the works of the flesh. The evidence of the Spirit in the life is the transformation of the character from the motives and then reveals in actions that are selfless not actions that are selfish and all that has been read here love joy peace patience long-suffering that's what it is being able to keep your cool even when things are happening clearly to offend you clearly to get you angry but even in your anger you sin not while waiting you don't sin against God. That's what patience is. Then there's that gentleness that that changes before you were rough, before you were reveling like we read. You were involved in in things that show that this person is uncouth. The Holy Spirit, when it comes to the life, will make you gentle. Look at the lust of the flesh. One of the things revealed there is variance, hatred, emulation, strife. Do you know what that is? The competitive spirit. If you are being convicted of the Spirit, if He is working in your life, we will see it in that change that makes you not to enter into that selfishness of competition because that's what competition is about. It's about elevating myself and not care, not caring about others. For the angels of God, like we read in Desire of Ages, they work tirelessly on our behalf to bring us to a greater nearness to God than even that which themselves know. They are not striving with us. They are not in an emulation. They want us to even have a better nearness to God than they themselves have. Talk about selflessness. If you have the Spirit of God, you will not be in a competition with anyone. You will rather spend yourself like the angels are doing. Spend yourself like Jesus is doing to give others something that even you may not even have. Amen. Reading from You Shall Receive Power, page 54, paragraph 3 and paragraph 4, we are told, When a man professes to be sanctified, and yet in words and works may be represented by the impure fountain sending forth his bitter waters, we may safely say that man is deceived. He needs to learn the very alphabet of what constitutes the life of a Christian. Some who profess to be servants to Christ have so long cherished the demon of unkindness that they seem to love the unhallowed element and to take pleasure in speaking words and words that displease and irritate these men must be converted before christ will acknowledge them as his children meekness is the inward adorning which god estimates as of great price the apostle speaks of this as more excellent and valuable than gold or pearls or costly array while the outward adorning beautifies only the moral mortal body the ornament of meekness adorns the soul and connects finite man with the infinite god 
this is the ornament of God's own choice. He who garnished the heavens with the orbs of light has the, by the same spirit promised that he will beautify the meek with salvation. Psalms 149 verse 4. Angels of heaven will register as best adorned those who put on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with him in meekness and lowliness of mind. End of quote. So here it is explained to us the other grace of the spirit that will be revealed in the life of one who is indeed being converted and that is meekness. Priceless gem that is meekness. So the next question is how can we have the Holy Spirit. We have already seen something to answer that. It is by receiving the light that the Lord has given to us. But then, we still need to know what do we need to do for ourselves. You know, in the book of Luke 11, when Jesus was speaking about asking and we receiving, he said clearly concerning receiving the Holy Spirit in Luke 11, reading from verse 13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? That's all. Do you believe the Word of God? Then follow it. Have faith. All you need to do to have the Holy Spirit is that you need to ask. But then, after you ask, even if the Holy Spirit is given, when He comes, if your heart is not ready to receive Him, then you will not receive the Holy. You will not receive the Holy Spirit. He will not come in. The heart that is open is the one that is sincere and honest. Honest to want to know what does God want me to do. Honest to desire to know the will of God. That is when the Holy Spirit will come in. When you ask, the Lord will give. But just because he has given doesn't mean the Holy Spirit will be in you. It is now left for you to allow him to come in. And how do we allow him to come in? We've said that earlier. In Acts 5 verse 32, it is written when Peter said, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. What does it mean obey him? Incrementally obey the Lord. What has the Lord revealed to you? Obey. Then the Holy Spirit will be given to you. But if you do not obey, then how can you receive the Holy Spirit? This is what it means, it means to be converted. And remember the other thing Jesus said, we must be born of water. What does it mean to be born of water? Jesus himself had to baptize. It is important that we are born of water to show the outward evidence that we believe in Jesus, that we want the Holy Spirit to be given to us, being born of the water in baptism. And this baptism is that which Jesus did, the baptism by immersion. And what does it represent? In the book of Romans 6, reading from verse 1, down to verse 3 we are told clearly that baptism represents the death of this flesh we must die to our flesh death of this flesh and resurrection into newness of life this is what baptism represents our lord jesus himself went through baptism and when he was baptized we are told that the spirit of god came upon him as a dove are you above it jesus said in the book of mark 16 16 he that believeth and baptized will be saved but he that believeth not will be damned. Two things here. You must believe and be baptized. The baptism they have been referred to was the baptism of the water and the spirit. We must have the baptism of water if we must enter into the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, laid before us right now is how we can enter into the kingdom of God. And the Lord has graciously given to us of his Holy Spirit. Will you receive him? If you receive him, then you must receive the word of God. John 6 verse 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
you cannot say i have the spirit of the lord and you are rejecting the word of god no way you must accept the word because that is what the holy spirit wants you to receive if you are rejecting the word of god then it's another spirit that you have and that's why we are told to test every spirit whether they are of god how do we know the spirit that is of god it is through the word of god it is the word of god that will tell us whether this is the holy spirit entering into my life or not if it's in harmony with the word of god then it is the holy spirit but if it is not in harmony with the word of god that spirit that is downplaying god's word and his commandment and telling you that the commandment has been done away with that is an evil spirit brother that is an evil spirit sister because the spirit the fruit of the spirit is love one evidence of the spirit of the lord is that he will teach you to love and to love means to keep the commandments of god and we have seen how the holy spirit is linked to the commandments countless times we have seen it jesus said in the book of luke in the book of john reading there from chapter 14 verse 21 he said anyone who keeps the commandments that is the person that will have the spirit he will manifest himself to them and it's through the spirit then then uh, peter also said in the book of acts chapter 5 verse 32 that it is those who obey him that is by keep his commandments that has the spirit we must understand that there is that connection between the spirit and the word of god and i pray that we will receive the spirit of god through his word so that we can have that conversion let us pray thank you dear father for the ministry of the holy spirit and the work that is to be done in the conversion of our souls through him i pray father for your children today including myself that you will grant to us indeed what we have always been asking for continually the holy spirit through your word convict us lord of sin of righteousness of judgment show us things to come lord we pray that the Holy Spirit shall walk in our lives and bring about a transformation of our character, that we may have that selfless spirit of the Lord, that all sin of the flesh will go away and we will have the fruit of the Spirit revealed in us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.